So welcome, everybody. This is, I don't know what session this is, but we're going to be covering Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, and we're going to do it in record time. We're going to do this in about half an hour, and tonight I'm calling this the power of the unified church. Last week we talked about, I believe, signs and wonders and, you know, the validity of signs and wonders and miracles, and I think that we have two camps that are in a ditch one camp that says that signs and wonders are not for today and they passed away, they don't happen anymore. There's really, it's weak trying to uh, use any scriptures to validate that argument. There's another camp that's kind of like an anything goes and they've added so much to it that um, it kind of diminishes the, you know, the authenticity and the, the strength of signs and wonders. And so we have people making up stuff. But there's this, this I call it the middle of the road right here, and we can see it in scriptures that when you look to the book of Acts, you read through the Bible, you find no mention whatsoever that there's an absence of signs and wonders and miracles. So when we look at the Word of God, we have to accept it as truth or not. And the same way we can look at the Word of God and see what the truth of the Word has to say about sexuality, uh, you know, about marriage, uh, you know, name it in the same way. Uh, you know, when it speaks about the ministry gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, you, you either accept it or you don't, you know, but I take the Word of God at face value, and maybe something's off in me, and if I stay in the Word of God, I'm going to renew my mind to the Word of God, and, and I'm going to choose to believe the Word. So, and when you read Acts chapter 3, you know, you really have to know that Acts chapter 3 just bleeds all the way through the end of Acts chapter 4. A lot of times we'll pick and choose different pieces of that. But this is all one long story. These two chapters cover one story. So if you think we're going to be looking in Acts, there's 28 chapters, but there's pockets of stories throughout. And, and here we still have Peter at the forefront, and you know he's going to preach two more messages in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. He'd already preached one in Acts chapter 2, and it's the same message. And it's so important. Let's get ready to uncover it. Remember, tonight we're talking about the power of of the unified church. So I'm trying to zero in on that area right now. So I'm also reading out of the ESV. Let me just throw this out there as well for, um, I know I get asked this question often and, you know, what's a good translation? I was just, I've probably been asked that question 10 times just in the last couple of weeks. And I love literal translations, word for word. I love the New King James is real precious to me. And of course the KJV, uh, it's my first Bible that I ever used. I really love the ESV, and I've been using it for a very long time. I, you know, 2006 probably. I've been using it primarily, and I also just recently picked up this NASB, uh, and and they say it's the most essentially literal translation. And I love it because it calls me to dig in. Sometimes when you're very familiar with a translation, you just gloss over it, you go through it real quick, you don't pay as much attention, and you think you know everything. So I love when I'm reading you know, uh, a, a, another modern translation, uh, you know, that's very scholarly, and I'm going through it, and, and you know, and I compare it, and anyway, I feel like I get a lot out of it. So Acts chapter 3, we know the Spirit of God was already poured out, powerful things are happening, but it says this, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. I like how it says it, the hour of prayer. It says here the ninth hour, so it's about 3 p.m., so there were some very methodical things, and you'll think when you look at Acts, we have this idea that it's just this uh, crazy, spontaneous thing that always runs through, and that's not the case. Absolutely, the Spirit of God would break out. Um, things would happen. Doors would open up. Riots would happen. Chaos, persecution, the power of God going on. But there's also some uh, very you know systematic things that are taking place. 
And they're going up there, and it says a man lame from birth was being carried. And we know this story. He was at the temple gate called Beautiful. He was going to ask for money. And uh, verse 4, Acts chapter 3, verse 4, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. That is loaded right there. When I'm reading this, and listen, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, I'm an evangelist at heart, but I'm reading this right here. And to me, I'll be honest with you personally, I go, goodness, can I be able to look at somebody in their hour of need and they, whether it's a physical defect or whatever it is, can I have something in me that can say, hey, you know, uh, what I have, I can give to you. I say this often that that today I think a lot of us would have to say, hey, silver and gold do I have, but the power of God I don't. So here, let me give you some change right quick because I'm not carrying something. But here, they were carrying the power of God. And he, it says, and then he says this, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The very first session in here, um, I was going to go a different direction, but as I was preparing for the very first session in this series, I became overwhelmed realizing the preeminence of Jesus Christ, where he ascended after he gave them instructions, he sat down at the right hand of the Father, then you can see this all throughout the end of the Gospels, and then you can also see this, you know, throughout the epistles, where he has been made to sit. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, he ever lives to make intercession for the saints, so Jesus here is actively involved, obviously, all throughout the book of Acts. And then, but because Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I love what people, I heard someone say when I was a very young Christian, said, what are signs and wonders for? It was to make you wonder. And so here they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to this man. So this man, he just latches on to Peter and John. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together in the portico called Solomon's. When's the last time that there was such a demonstration of the goodness of God and his miracle-working power that it just commanded all the attention of everyone without any level of marketing, without any level of entertainment. And, you know, that just God did something in such a way where only he could really get the credit. But here, they were still, they were looking at Peter and John thinking this was that this was them. And so they ran, and when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. I cannot even say this enough, how much we need humility today in our leadership. We need leadership. Let me just talk to a minute, you know, to those of us who are in, in what they call fivefold ministry gifts. We need this one word more than anything else, and it's the word humility. They were coming up to Peter and John, and Peter was so quick to redirect their attention, and not just to redirect their attention, but look what happens here. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us? as though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk. I'm afraid that some of our teaching today, it's laced in such a way as it causes people to look at us rather than look at Jesus Christ. And look what Peter, he's doing. He is just self-effacing. He just wants to be out of the picture. 
and let's point it right back to Jesus. This is why we have signs and wonders and miracles. They're there to validate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter didn't turn this into a healing service. He turned this into a gospel service. And here's what he says to them. And I love this. As though by our power, our piety, our our godliness, there's, there's, there's something inside of us. No, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant or his son, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. Let me also interject this, that we're gonna read a lot of scripture in this series because we go to church today and we could sit for an hour and you might hear a verse scripture read or maybe two or three verses of scripture read and a whole lot of talk. So we, let's get some scripture in this right here. So when I say some things, we can let it be built on the foundation of the word of God right here. Because people want to argue their denomination or argue what they heard or argue their favorite belief system. But let's see what the word says and let's wrestle with the word of God here, right? You asked for a murder to be granted to you and you killed the author or the originator of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore. We talked about repentance a few weeks ago. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. I don't know about you, but I love this right here. How many love this, that we can turn towards God and that our sins can be blotted out? I think about when God said this in Isaiah, right? He says, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own namesake and will remember your sins no more. The Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes our iniquities from us. Woo, I'm preaching. Here we go. And look here, so that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And he goes on and begins to quote Moses. I love how they quote the Old Testaments. He's talking about Samuel. And, and look in verse 26, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. So here he is, he's preaching. What you got to understand right now is that there are multiplied thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that are around Solomon's portico because of one man, because Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, a set apart time that they were going to pray. Maybe this was a custom that, that they had in Judaism. And so regardless, here they are, and they're on their way to the temple to pray. And God had something planned out and ready for them, right? And, uh, and so I wonder how many times God would just show off his majesty and show off his power and is ready to just pour out kindness and favor and his healing power on somebody, but there's maybe not many Peter and John, uh, you know, walking to the temple at the hour of prayer, you know, in this pocket place of prayer and and just pursuing his presence and pursuing this, this avenue of relationship with God. So here's what's going on. It says here in Acts chapter four, remember the, the, the Bible is not written in chapter and verse. 
And as they were, but they were in Acts chapter four, verse one. And as they were, as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. 5,000 people came to Christ. Today, we argue over theology. We argue over doctrine. Now, listen, we need to have good theology. We need to have good doctrine. But what happened to these people right then? Where were they put? 5,000 people. We already know that 3,000 came to Christ on the day of Pentecost. We know that people are just continuously being added to the church day by day. Uh, God's doing powerful things, wonderful things are happening. And now here, another 5,000 people. I don't know, but I wonder how much chaos was going on, but the Holy Spirit was in it. You may feel like you're in chaos. You may feel like your church isn't what it needs to be. But know this, that in the same way God was working 2,000 years ago, God is still working in your church right now. God is working among your people. If you think that the early church was perfect, know that it was not. As a matter of fact, next week we're going to get into Ananias and Sapphira, and you're going to see, guess what? Problems come quickly. And so God is still working though, right? So, all right, look here. All right. On the next day, they're so, but, but also look at this. They're all, they were arrested. I wonder what was going through Peter and John's mind. They knew that, listen, the son of God, I don't know how many uh, how much time had passed since Jesus had ascended and the Holy Spirit poured out? Was this, uh, you know, weeks, months, years? We don't know. But it says here that, that they were arrested. So now we're moving to a different season right now, okay? Persecution's coming on. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who are of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name? Did you knew this? They knew that there was a power and name that this thing happened. And they're getting called out. These are religious people wanting to know how did you do this miracle right here? And what power and by what name? And it just like religious people always trying to judge how and what it, you know, the, the conduit. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I think when Jesus told the apostles not to worry about what you'll say in that hour, but when you're brought in before the before the the, the, the rulers, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And here it is right here. It's being fulfilled right here. It says here in Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. I just love this right here. Why are we so afraid of the Holy Spirit? Why are we so uncomfortable? Why do we have entire denominations that have been created just to, because they want to communicate and because they don't want to be associated with God, the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've experienced some foolishness. Maybe you saw some bad things, but you know what? If you saw counterfeit, the only reason, the only the, the way that there can actually be counterfeit if there's the authentic. You can't counterfeit something that's fake. You counterfeit the authentic. All right, uh, that's just a little side note right here. How much time? All right, doing good, doing good. Hope y'all doing okay. All right. So here it's on, he's preaching this passionate message in verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished 
and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I want to ask you this. When is the last time that somebody recognized that you had been with Jesus? Because of the way you talk, the way you spoke, the way you operated, the words that came out of your mouth, where they could look at you and say, look, I, I know that person. I know where they've been. I know what they're not. Mm, I know their mom and their daddy. Okay, we're talking about some small towns right now, huh? I, I, know, I know what they've been involved in, but my goodness, they've been with Jesus. Would to God that people could look at us, come on, and say they have been with Jesus. When's the last time somebody, somebody at work said, hmm, they've been with Jesus? Hmm? All right, let's, let's, let's just keep going. Because we're, we're coming to one point that I want to hit on tonight. They were, and they recognized they'd been with Jesus, but seeing the man who was healed, they, they couldn't argue against this situation. Verse 15, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. I'm sorry, I'm just laughing because, you know, you, you've read the book of Acts, right? We're here, right? We're here because they didn't shut up. We're here because they weren't successful at silencing Peter and John and the apostles in the early church. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them. I just love this boldness. This was a man who was a coward. This was Peter. Jesus really did. He became a rock, right? And, and, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's just another man. I think of when the, the Lord, through Samuel, spoke to Saul and said, the Spirit of God will come upon you, and you'll be changed into another man. Who wants to be turned into another man? I, I do. But Peter and John said, answer them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Oh, I love this. Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Now, this is awesome, right? We, this is awesome being able to hear this, be able to see this. It's awesome being able to, to, to look at this right here and, and talk about the apostles. But how about us? What have we seen and heard? Now, some people in the charismatic camp can get uncomfortable. You came out of a charismatic camp because you may have saw some quirkiness. And I will speak to this because that is the camps that I've been a part of since I, I came into the body of Christ. Though I've preached in Baptist churches. I've preached in, I've preached in all kinds of churches and all kinds of different situations and, and on many, many different places, you know, in street situations and different houses and homes. But you know what? That's why we have the body of Christ, all right? And one of the reasons why things kind of got extreme is because there's been a lack of correction and because there's been a lack of biblical authority and because we haven't really had, um, you know, a good model of the fivefold ministry gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers. We'll do a little series on that coming up soon on the, the fivefold ministry gifts to bring things back into order. You know, um, it wasn't long ago, a few decades ago, in some spirit-filled camps where if a person stood up and started maybe giving a word in the tongue or somebody's trying to give a prophetic word where uh, an elder or that pastor or bishop or whoever in that house would stand up and literally say, hey, hey, shut up and sit down. That is not the spirit of God. That's your flesh. 
And you know what would happen? They would be quiet and they would sit down, you know, and it didn't matter if they, you know, if they just, who knows what happened? It didn't matter. They, they were more concerned with God being represented well. And what that happened was because in the church, we should have that level, hear me out, we should have that level of unity and love and, and be open to correction and instruction, right? And so that's where we have so many denominations that just keep getting hived off of one another because of offense. But when we have good order and unity in the body of Christ, unity is not an absence of conflict, it's a dedication that we are going to walk together no matter what happens, and, and it takes forgiveness and repentance, and I'm going to get ahead of myself, sir. Here, look right here. All right, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. I, I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to, I want to see some things. I want to, I want to hear some things. I have saw the hand of God in my life. How many of you saw the hand of God in your life? I've saw the hand of God in church members and church families throughout you know, my years. I've saw what God's done in my family. I've heard of the wonderful things. He's, and, but he says, but we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. It's sad. Listen to me. If you saw some things and heard some things, but you're quiet about it and you're silent about it, you know, and, and you don't need a pulpit, you don't need a microphone. There's a platform you have in your work, and the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and how to speak, when to speak, and what to say. Uh, you know, that there's an outlet that you have. There is a platform you have. There's a pulpit you have at that restaurant with that server, right? You know, when you're in the grocery store, when you're walking your dog and you come across some neighbors, the Lord is just ready to perform. Listen, Peter and John were just going to pray at the hour of prayer and they rolled up on somebody, right? How great that this crippled man had a couple men that were filled with the Holy Spirit, that loved God, that were sensitive to the Holy Spirit. All right, let's just keep going right here. All right. And we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, so they just kept, still kept threatening them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Verse 23, this is very important. The power of the unified church. So listen here. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. Some translations said they went to their own company or they went to their own companions. Some, like the ESV says, they went to their own friends. They went to their church family and they reported what was said. And when, verse 24, and when they heard it, they all began to moan and groan and cry. They all began to murmur and complain and grumble. They all began to say, oh no, what have we done? What's gonna happen to us now? Uh-uh, that is not what happened. They lifted their voices together to God. In one accord, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. I love this. We will gloss over this, but you know what? When we come to prayer, there's something powerful. They're, they're not just, they're, they are saying, you are God. You made everything. You created everything. This is an incredible act of praise and worship and intercession and prayer. And they say, um, you know, and, and who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed, talking about Jesus, the Messiah. 
For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They did not ask for the threats to dissipate. They did not ask God to stop what would be certain persecution. Instead, they asked in the midst of it to uh, continue to have the ability to continue to speak the word with all boldness. Come on now, holding nothing back. While you stretch out your hands to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I like to say this, I said this last week, that people get excited, they get caught up and like, I'll tell you what, we're coming into an area, we're gonna start seeing some buildings shake again, are y'all ready? And, and I'm like, listen, stop already. If a building shakes, great, but nowhere was that taught. They didn't pray that anywhere else in the book of Acts. Hey, let our building shake. It's not. They just prayed. You know what the, the biggest focus is? On Jesus Christ and boldness to continue to speak and to preach and to proclaim the word of God, that signs and wonders and miracles would continue to happen. And then God just shook that place. I say, let's get back to unified prayer. So they prayed, there were one voice with one accord. They lifted their voices together and prayed. It'd be very difficult today just to get everybody to show up at the same time for a good potluck dinner. But they came together, all together, unified. Why? Because persecution happens. We get, uh, we're so fractured right now and we're so isolated and independent and all of our little circles, circles that it's very difficult just to get the collective body of Christ to come together. They say, if you want to see how famous the uh, you know uh, your church is, see who comes on Sunday morning. If you want to see how famous your preacher is, see who comes on Sunday evening or Wednesday night. But if you want to see how famous Jesus is, see who comes to the prayer meeting. And so uh, you know, but they were unified in prayer and they were in this together. And there was about to be some problems, and you're going to see problems to the Word of God. You're going to see. Where even the 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 Pauline epistles and the you know even the you know the letters of John and Peter James they have to address things, but look here you know right here we see power and authority God is answering their prayer because it says here right it says uh, and when the building was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit I just love how how in the Word of God in the Book of Acts they continue to emphasize being filled with the Holy Spirit and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the Word of God. With boldness. Now, here is what I wanted to get to. And guess what? Give me five minutes. Now, the full number of those who believed, it didn't tell you the full number. It says the full number of those who believed. This is so powerful. We got to get this right here uh, because, you know, we have to get back here. Look, how remember the 120 were in the upper room? They were, in, they were praying and they were in one accord, and the Holy Spirit fell. Here they're all together. The full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. This takes such an act of humility. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, 
For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. So many things we could say right here. Let me, let me read this and then we'll just talk. Thus Joseph, who also who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And we'll see Barnabas becomes a huge, uh, very important part of the thread of the book of Acts because he goes and gets uh, Paul, the apostle, you know, and Saul at the time, and, and, and brings him, you know, to meet the other apostles. So here it says there was not a needy person among them, and, you know, they laid everything at the apostles' feet, we have such a lack of trust of one another today. Uh, there are pastors that have been sheep bit so many times that they don't trust the people that they lead. They don't trust the people that they're in front of. Uh, they have people that have been wounded and hurt by an abusive pastor, uh, you know, and so they don't trust their pastors. There have been people that have dissension, you know, and they they can, be, it's, it's true, Sunday mornings can become one of the fakest times, the one of the fakest moments of the week where we come together for an hour and a half and everybody kind of smiles and whatever. And and then throughout the, the rest of the week, it's gossip, it's slander, it's division, and they're not unified. So, so we can't talk about signs and wonders and miracles. We can't talk about great power. We can't talk about the apostles, you know, and, and, and the men of God, you know, and leading out with great authority and boldness. We can't talk about all these things when we don't have a unified church. But a unified church is a powerful church. I'm not concerned as much with what the how the enemy would want to rage. You can see right here that it doesn't matter what persecution. It doesn't matter how the enemy stirs people up. It doesn't matter what religion might do. And you know, and and so in legalism and the bondage of legalism and all these different avenues, it's more more concerning what happens when the church, when the body of Christ is not unified and they don't walk in authority and they don't walk in power and they don't walk in boldness because at the end of the day, we have a mission and a mandate as the body of Christ and it's not just to get together and sing Kumbaya and just, you know, tell each other how great we are all week long. We want to be built up as the body of Christ, but we have a mission and a mandate to take the gospel of Jesus out to the world. But how can they want to be a part of something that when they look at us, they see a fractured, broken, disunified body of people? Jesus said in John chapter 13 that the whole world would know that we are his disciples, not by how many signs and wonders and miracles, not by how much revelation, you know, we have more teaching coming out the pike today than, than ever, and a lot of it is just garbage and just weird crap, you know, that's very unscriptural. <laughs> Why did I even say that? But Jesus said the whole world would know that we're his disciples by the love we have one for another. The love we have one for another. So I wonder if what it's going to take, there's so many different levels here, right? You know, some are like, we just need more power in the church. Hey, we just need our preachers and pastors to do more. Hey, I just need my congregation to actually do something. And everybody's fighting, arguing, pointing fingers rather than going right here, right here, this one right here. Am I humble? Am I teachable? Am I a part of this body? Am I going to fight for unity with everything on the inside of me? Can I collectively together with the body of Christ lift up our voice? When you touch one member of the body, guess what? They're touching everybody. And, and it is true. I believe that one of the most powerful forces in a community should be the local church. That ecclesia, that body of Christ in a community should be the most powerful 
force. People should be wanting to either get in or stay as far away as they can because either the fear of the Lord or because they long for the love in the community. And next week, we're going to be talking about the fear of the Lord. So this is so vital. It's so important. I want you to hear this. And so we point fingers everywhere. And there's there's a lot of that. To, it's very easy to become to become a church critic. It's easy to become a pastor critic. It's easy to become a congregation critic. And I've been on every side. And I can't tell you enough what happens in the enemy, how subtle he is with with offense. I don't like it when people use the phrase a spirit of offense because I think it takes away the power of somebody needing to to make things right themselves. You know, I, I never read in the Bible. Maybe it's in there. It could be in there. And I've read it a few times, uh, uh, quite a bit. I'm not being facetious or sarcastic, but I don't remember reading a, a spirit of offense. And so we want to deal with 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 offense. You know, people say I have a, a spirit of alcoholism or spirit of this, and we, we assign all these things, but the, therefore removing people's ability to take responsibility for their actions. We have that blame shifting culture that goes all the way back to the garden. You know, God asked Adam three questions. You know, where are you? Uh, you know, who have you been talking to, and what have you done? And and he, you know, uh, what he do? Adam blames his wife. The wife blames the serpent rather than taking responsibility. And so we have to be able to get the church unified again and together. And that takes work sometimes, you know, and because the enemy will fight against that. He will fight against unity because when a church, when a, when a body, it doesn't matter if it's 20 people, 10 people, one can chase 1,000, two can chase 10,000. Jesus said, if two or more are gathered in my name, I'm right there in the midst of them. Powerful things can happen. What does he say in the, in the word of God? He can say by many, he can say by few. But when a church comes together and walks in unity and in humility, and they say, you know, we're going to love one another, and we're going to be bonded together, and we're going to pray together because we're going the same direction. They're of one heart and one soul. Some churches are so busy, and they have so many irons in the fire, they're going so many different directions, they don't know what they're doing. But if we just simplify and say, guess what, we're going to do one thing. We're going one direction right here, you know, and you, you love this and you want some more of that. You know, you might want that color carpet. You might want the color paint. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. What's, what's the most important? Proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. God is longing for his sons and daughters. He's longing to see people come into the body of Christ. And he has sent his Holy Spirit. He's given us this beautiful thing called the church, the ecclesia, and that we can come together and we can walk together. And we might not be perfect. You know, there might be some spots and wrinkles, but he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. So he's gonna get them spots out. He's gonna get them wrinkles out. And he's gonna prepare us to become a pure and spotless bride filled with power and authority, not weak and, and just feeble and crawling around and woe is me. And, and But walking together with power power and authority. That is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous church. So I think before we can see that that power on display again, I really believe we're going to have to see this, this a, a unified church, because a unified church is a threat to the kingdom of darkness. A backbiting, gossip, slander, devouring church, devouring one another, that is not a church that's going to go anywhere. But a church that loves, forgives, fights for unity, prays for one another, and is going the same direction, that is a dangerous, dangerous church. I remember the story of a pastor who had tried to implement all kinds of programs, and he did all these things, and it just never, nothing worked. They kept trying, kept trying, kept trying to do all these different things, and they, they couldn't break like 200 people, and and they were in a, in a, in a 
pretty large area. And then, you know, the Lord moved him to a different city. And when he went there, he says, you know, I'm not going to do anything that didn't work anymore. I'm doing just, I'm just going to do one or two things and that's it. That's all we will do as a church. And he got there and all they did was one or two things. People get offended. People got upset. People left. People came and different things happened. And then, and then they started reaching multiplied just tens of thousands of people because they just got zero, like, you know, laser focused on the mandate of what they felt the Lord called them to do. Hey, I love all of you. I hope you're enjoying this. Again, we're going to keep this real simple. We're just going through the book of Acts, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. This Sunday, I'm going to be preaching at my church, and if you're in the Homer area or you're, you're anywhere close, I'd love to have you come. We're going to be preaching on the church. This coming Sunday, the Lord just spoke to my heart. We're going to preach on the church and I'm just very, very excited about it. Hope you've enjoyed this and, and you're liking this. If you want to be able to catch more of these videos, make sure you come and join the factory. All right, that's all for the podcast, but I'm going to talk to you who are watching this. So those of you who are listening right now and Randy in real life, thank you for joining today. Hope you've enjoyed this. Share it. Give it a review. Bye.